Hey, everyone. Welcome to Locked on Lakers for Tuesday. Brian Kamenetsky, Andy Kamenetsky. I know we've been here a couple times, Andy, but uh, one of the biggest games of the season, one of the biggest wins of the season for the Lakers, 101-95 to over the Jazz on Martin Luther King Day. But, Andy, do not call it a turning point. We'll talk about that and more coming up on Locked on Lakers. You are Locked on Lakers. Your daily Los Angeles Lakers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I want to thank everybody for making Locked On Lakers your first listen of every day, Monday through Friday, and sometimes on Saturdays and Sundays. We get this thing up for you bright and early, so no matter where you get your podcasts, how you get them, when you get them, why you get them, this thing is available for you. Uh, whenever you need it. Um, so we'll get, we'll get to talk about Stanley Johnson. We got a little AD news coming out of the game on Monday night, which is obviously important um, and has a huge impact on, on what the Lakers are going to be doing going forward. But let's talk about this game, Andy. Um, not necessarily a lot of quote unquote signature wins to choose from this year. Um, but if you're looking for one of the, <laughs> it's most- the inverse, Brian, of every time after a bad loss, you say, this feels like the worst loss of the season. Do you agree with me? And I say, I, I don't I, know. No, the, the difference is with the, with the bad losses, the problem is I have too many to choose from. That's what I'm the, saying. It's the inverse it's like, okay, of that. I see what you mean. Right. It's, it's, it's the reverse where like, if I really actually gave this a couple minutes of thought, I might be able to give you a, a pinpointed answer because I've only got like three choices. <laughs> Right. You know, but I mean, like, it's, it's funny, like people get mad and there's one guy in particular who gets mad every time, you know, the, the concept of the signature win comes up. And, you know, we have long said that this is going to be like, there is no turning point. There is no uh, game that's going to, you know, make the 90 degree pivot to where they need to go or whatever the, the, the right geometric term is there. Um, but it was it was interesting after they beat the the Jazz 101-95, Utah coming into this game 20, uh, 29 and 14, one of the best teams in the Western Conference and in the league. I think they have the best point differential in the NBA and they have the best offense uh, in the league. Uh, only the fourth time, I believe, this year the Jazz have been held under 100 points. Um, despite a big win over an excellent team, uh, everyone to a man made sure not to call this a turning point. So as even though we've been saying it, Andy, I do think it's significant that the the players, Frank Vogel, everyone when presented a question kind of like that, pumped the brakes. No, this isn't one of those turning points. No, we got to put this one away just like we put the losses away and come back and do the next one. I mean, look, they've been down this road before. Like, you know, they've had a few good wins this season. They had a four-game winning streak. They they have had periods where things seem to at least be moving in a good direction, and then they turn around and they crap the bed. And sometimes they crap the bed inexplicably. Sometimes they crap it in very, very messy fashion. Like, I'm going to take this all the way to the point where you are really visualizing a bed a covered neat, in crap. Is there a neat and tidy yes. way to crap the bed? I Well, like I mean. A pile uh, or, you know. As uh, two people with children, I think we both know they can. It no two crapping no, of the bed. Some are the same. They're all bad, but some are yeah. worse than others. That's Absolutely, true. That I mean, there, there are times where you know it's just like, all right, we we'll clean it up, no big deal. There are other times where, like, how did that come out of one small human? Yeah. Um, but anyway, before we get too sidetracked, <laughs> <laughs> all that. <laughs> the the point being, though, 
I think these guys are now very hyper aware of, I mean, the cliches of don't get too high, don't get too low. It's not even because they're veterans. It's not even because they've been around the game a long time. I think they just recognize we have not done this consistently enough where we even know. Like I like if you ask them privately, what do you think this means? I think the most common answer might be, I have no effing idea. No freaking clue. Yep. Um, but it was, you know, it was look, I mean, the Lakers, there are a lot of things that if you're, you know, are one of these people that like, guys. I'm tired of this stuff. Look at what happened in this game. Yes, the Lakers offensively were were not good. Uh, they were under 30% from three-point range. They shot 61% from the free throw line. Um, and like they just they are they're just terrible at the free throw line. And for a bad offensive team, that can't happen. Um, you know, Utah is you know gonna look at this and say, sure, the Lakers, they were active offensively, they did a lot of stuff against even you know, there's no way we shoot 37% with our offense very often that's that's us as much as it is them uh boyan bogdanovich was one of nine jordan clarkson was two of 13. uh rudy gay was four for 12. i mean that's a lot of empty possessions coming from normally more reliable players but like you know in the same way that they, you know we, we talk about like no style points um the lakers coming off a terrible effort i'm not talking about terrible result terrible effort against the Nuggets on Saturday, played harder on Monday. They played cleaner on Monday. They played smarter on Monday, and they sort of honored the promise that they made of like, okay, we won't do that again. Not saying we're going to win, but we won't do that yeah. again. And, and look, along along those lines of what you're talking about, Brian, like, yeah, they Utah obviously gets challenged on shots all the time, and they do a better job making them go down. But at the same time, though, the Lakers played, I thought, you know, attentive and energetic and focused enough mm -hmm. defense that some of that credit actually does sure, go to sure, them. Sure, sure, sure. And, and you know, th this was beyond the effort piece of this, and this was something that was obviously talked about a lot after the Denver game, something that uh, LeBron was asked about because, you know, he had sent out that tweet uh, literally apologizing to Laker Nation saying this wasn't going to happen again. And, you know, this was, I, I think, in part spurred by Magic Johnson's tweet, which was just chef's mm -hmm. kiss when it comes to just lacking self-awareness. Magic tweeting out that the Lakers essentially quit in this game, haven't been putting out the effort, and Jeannie Buss deserves better as the owner. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> <laughs> that he does not recognize. He just described his own exit from the organization a few years ago. Is uh, I the thing about Magic that is just he is so damn lovable. Nobody will ever ever. You can't well, say that. Also, the tweeting is so ridiculous and silly. Oh, like, well, like these it, things are are you know look, it, it, it is its own. It's it's genre a, really. It's a big reason. That I, I'm not even joking when I say this. It is a big reason that he quit the job as president of basketball operations because it got in the, you know, it got in the way of his tweeting. Mm -hmm. And a bird's got to fly, Brian. Look, he he to his credit, he did kind of add a little bit of stability and credibility to the Lakers. And once that was done, he needed to get back to the tweeting. Yes, the he actual did. job of whatever <laughs> president of basketball, whatever not he his, was. Not his it wasn't jam. his jam. Like you know, you, that's <laughs> really a grinding wasn't. kind of job. And that was yeah. not that magic doesn't grind a business. He does, but like that, 
not this one. <laughs> this no. was not one of this was more of a side gig. Uh, but like you know, it, Le, it was interesting though. LeBron in talking about that, you know that that tweet obviously got a lot of attention as LeBron wanted, and he was asked, you know, what he said to the team after that, and he said nothing. He's like, I didn't talk to them about this at all because essentially talk can be cheap sometimes. You got to have actions, and I think all of these guys, I think they all recognize like. We need to do better. We need to be more consistent. We need to play harder. We need to play more focused. We need to play smarter, all that stuff. But I think what they're starting to recognize, at least hopefully, and whether or not they are truly dedicated to this realization moving forward remains to be seen, is just the idea that it's going to be this way for the rest of the season. Mm -hmm. Even when Anthony Davis comes back, even if they hopefully keep everybody whole, you know, who know Kendrick Nunn? Unfortunately, we're going to get into this. Had a setback. Um, Frank Vogel told us before the game. Um, he has he is back to having no timeline. Um, his knee apparently did not respond well to the ramped up workouts, and obviously, this is not a good sign. Even his mind of late, uh, just for it, people are keeping track. It but. feels Brian very shades of Aaron McKee. In yeah. 2006, you know, an older version uh, Aaron was than than. Uh, Kendrick Nunn, but they brought him in uh, to be the starting point guard on a mid-level exception, and Aaron McKee played like nine games over two seasons. It's feeling like that, but just even when AD is back, like this is something they are going to have to be dedicated towards. I and just, like the, the idea that they're going to, I think it's like you're saying, like they're starting to understand that it's not like, you know, when the playoffs come around, yeah, we got to play playoff level hard the level of hard that they have to play at to win game 44 in February and, in, you know, in, I'm sorry, in January and in, in February and in the, like the, the level of hard that they have to produce for games like that is just higher than I think they were expecting coming into the yeah. season as a team that yeah. sort of expected to be able to build and pace themselves as championship teams do through 82 games. And before we go to break, I just think there's an idea of, you know, do you want it bad enough? Like with this and like, I don't, I don't mean it like in a, you know, like a Gatorade commercial type of way. Like, is it in you? I mean, just like literally, do you want this bad enough to go after it knowing that a lot of times you will put out that effort and it may not be enough because right now they're behind the pack. So Mm -hmm. you have to do this anyway, even if it's not always going to give you the results, even if it feels sort of beneath the goals that you had set for yourself, do you want it that bad? Even if it doesn't help, still got to yeah. do it. There were we'll we'll get into some of these medical updates uh, again. Kendrick Nunn, uh, what that does certainly the uh, the update that was given on Anthony Davis uh, by Frank Vogel after the game. We'll get, make sure we get into that before the end of the show. But uh, a little bit more on tonight's game. Obviously, people are going to remember the Russell Westbrook dunk. Over Rudy Gobert, that thing flew around the internet. There was another Russell Westbrook moment, though, that got a lot of attention. Um, That was also significant, I think, for this team and also for the kind of the mentality and the attitude of the team. It's something you asked uh, Frank Vogel about after the game, and we'll do that next. Locked on Lakers brought to you by Prize Picks. Okay, Laker fans, you've been hearing me tell you about Prize Picks for months. Have you signed up yet? If not, why not, dummy? Because Prize Picks is daily fantasy made easy. If you haven't checked it out yet, you are missing out. You're going to love this app. 
for NBA and mixed sports. Pick'em Prize Picks has the best NBA DFS prop game on the market. They offer more NBA props than any other DFS prop operator and offers all the superstar players as well as bench players that only record a handful of minutes each game. Plus, and this is the fun part, Prize Picks allows mixed sports entries. Like you could take the over for Anthony Davis rebounds with the under on uh, Matt Stafford completions. Just parlay that together, have fun, keep it weird, keep it interesting. Use the award-winning app on both the App Store or Google Play. Entries are made in 60 seconds or less. It's that easy. Prize Picks, safe, fast withdrawals. So go to prizepicks.com. Right now, use the promo code NBA or go to the App Store, download the app. Prize Picks is daily fantasy made easy. Again, if you are not playing Prize Picks, you don't know what you're missing. Okay, so um, we'll get to the Russell Westbrook dunk here in a second, which was, I think, a significant moment, but more for Russell Westbrook than uh, necessarily how it impacted the arc of the game in its totality. When you think about the team, Andy, there was another moment uh, in the game where a courtside fan spilled his drink. Uh, and, you know, actually Donovan Mitchell, uh, Utah Jazz star, kind of slipped on it. And Russ came over and, like, grabbed the mop and started mopping it up. And it was like, you know, it was like a fun, kind of lighthearted, humorous moment in a season for the Lakers that has had precious few of those. Uh, you talked, you actually specifically asked Frank Vogel about that moment. Uh, after the game, and uh, it sounded to me like Vogel was actually very pleased that you did. Yeah, I, I asked him basically just if this felt like a reminder that as much as the focus heading into this game was guys need to be playing harder, there needs to be more effort, all all that stuff that's really serious, like you need to have fun. Like at this job or any job, like it's important to be having fun. And this season – has had very few instances of fun, precious few. Mm. And just did this serve as a reminder of that? And he said, yeah, absolutely. And he he did not think that this was just like an incidental moment that had no, nothing it a to moment do. of significance. Yeah, like that had nothing to do with the game itself. And just like, you know, a reminder that this is something that all you guys love to do. Mm -hmm. Like you are you are out here doing this thing that you dedicated your whole life to, you know, and yes, it's a job. And like any other job, there'll be times where you don't feel up for it, times where it doesn't feel fun. But at the same time, like this is your passion and you got to find the fun in it again, even as things this season have been incredibly difficult and challenging. Just Russ, who is one of the leaders of this team, one of the more focal points of this team, he's certainly somebody that gets a lot of attention, positive or negative. I, I think I don't know if Russ I and I didn't get a chance to ask him about this. I don't know if Russ would ever break it down, you know, sort of that intentionally. But it wouldn't shock me if Russ recognized, like, got a got a laugh. Well, but he was asked fun. about it, and he's like, "Yeah, it was fun. We were having a little fun. It's funny." Like, you didn't ask specifically. You know, he wasn't asked specifically in the context of like, "Do you guys need to be happy?" But like, he he laughed and smiled at it, and I think recognized. Like you got it, like what you're talking about there, because it's not just a matter of, you know, remembering it's your passion. Remember, it's like when, when the expectations for a team like this are as high as they are, and the level of disappointment is as tangibly, you know, elevated as it is now. I mean, you know, even you know, even with this win, and there's you know, it's a big difference between being 21 and 23, and 22 and 22 with a winnable game against Indiana on Wednesday. Um, 
you know, even with that, Andy, like the, the level of disappointment is incredibly high and the players are certainly aware of it. When you operate under those conditions, you don't play as well. Everybody starts to feel like either they got to do more themselves or you start to get discouraged when you're having fun, when guys are enjoying the environment, when you feel like good things can happen, when you can feel like you can enjoy yourself, you're a little bit looser. You make that extra pass. You cut a little more. Just it's like you talked about it. it's like anybody else's job. You have a little more bounce in what you do, a little more happiness to be there. It makes a difference. And moments like that can stack up in the same way that ugly moments stack up. Um, want to ask you though about Westbrook and the the dunk over Gobert because you know statistically speaking, um, you know this wasn't a refrigerator you know game for for Russ where he's going to take the box score and put it up on the fridge. 15 points, 5 of 14 from the floor, 8 rebounds, only 3 assists, you know, 2 turnovers, so not too bad there. But this dunk over Rudy Gobert, he let out some primal screaming after that and was moving, like, the projection I think that Russ had in terms of just being able to get up and burst and finish like that, when all we've talked about for the last, I don't know, month is how Russ how? can't finish at the rim. Um, he said afterwards, it wasn't a significant play. Didn't feel any different to me. I do not believe him for a heartbeat. Okay. First of all, like it cannot be overstated how much of a holy bleep dunk this was. It like, was awesome. You know, put put aside how much you think it actually, you know, affected the game tone setter, all that stuff. And I, I, I think there are elements of it that carried over in the second half if not necessarily directly mm -hmm. but in terms of in terms of quality dunks i would say even matched against the uh the standard of russ's past as a dunker awesome. this was incredible like he effing disintegrated rudy gobert but I mean, like, like, he like elevated and like the, the burst and all this stuff you really been wondering like where it is all of a sudden it was like all back in one play. I mean, this thing was freaking nasty and he got up so quickly and threw it down so emphatically. I mean, like he, he left Rudy Gobert like in a, as a pile of dust. Like this is this is one of the premier, not just defensive players in the year, you know, one of the or in the league. This is one of the premier rim protectors mm -hmm. in the league. And he destroyed Gobert. Destroyed yeah. him. I just, I, I know he said it didn't, wasn't any different, wasn't a special moment, didn't mean it. I just don't believe him. I, I think when you have been well, and you watch okay. the reaction that he had to the play and the, you know, the way he was moving and talking and jawing after that, and you know, you know, looking at the crowd and all these other things. He was asked after the game, you know, you know, do you think people just didn't think you had that left in you? And he's like, that's a people problem, not a me problem. Yeah, but that, but that by the way, is the tell that he's lying. Uh, right, that, exactly. That's, like, that's what I'm saying. Like, it, it, is, it is very clear. Like, I, the, 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 the idea that Russell Westbrook's confidence would be shaken is something that's sort of unnerving to people because he just seems so confident in everything he does from how he plays to how he dresses to all these other things. But it's very clear, like, you know, this is an experience for him, what he's he's gone through offensively, finishing at the rim, the inability to score, the inability to make shots. That he, yeah, I, and so to, to remind yourself as a player that you still have that there. Again, it didn't lead to some sort of great statistical outburst where Westbrook just annihilated the Jazz in the second half. He had 15 points, he missed 
nine of his 14 shots. But I guarantee you that moment meant something for him. Um, let's get to AD uh, and some of the, the stuff coming up there because the potential return of Anthony Davis is going to have a significant impact on the rotation. Guys like Stanley Johnson, who was amazeballs in the fourth quarter. Uh, Trevor Ariza, the trickle down here uh, is pretty significant. So we'll do all that next. Locked on Lakers brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online wants to wish you a happy new betting year as we continue the march to the playoffs and beyond. Bet Online remains the number one spot for all the best sports wagering action in 2022. It's a new year and a new updated desktop and mobile website to sign up today. Receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use the promo code Locked On to get started from football, basketball, hockey, boxing, UFC, right down to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for 2022. Bet online, the fastest, easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports. Bet online where the games start. So after the game, Andy Frank Vogel was asked about Anthony Davis, that four-week checkup that, that we were all promised. And while the details were still vague, there is no timeline. There will never be a timeline, ever, ever a time that he could be standing on the court, ready to come back in and play. And Frank Vogel will not cop to him uh, being in available for that game. Um, but he they said that the the pictures that they took were all clean um, and that he has been cleared for an on-court ramp-up. Uh, that includes well, contact. And so yeah. Woj over the weekend and some other people reported that the Lakers were hopeful that he would be able to be back by the end of the month. Um, this is monumentally significant that they are able to get him back with a few games, for me at least, for with a few games to play before the trade deadline, because they need to know what they got. They yeah. need to know what Davis can bring them, how it's going to impact the rotation, what kind of player are, if they're going to sacrifice THD, Kendrick Nunn in the pick, um, what is the thing <laughs> that they need to get back the most? Like, if this had bled more into deeper into February, knock on wood, it won't, it would be really harmful for, for the Lakers. So to hear he can start get on the court and do some contact is a really encouraging sign. Yeah, I mean, first of all, it's going to be <laughs> it's going to be very difficult to move Kendrick Nunn. It's it's appearing quite unlikely that he is going to be available um after the well, trade at least for a team that wants to be able to use him for something. Right, exactly. But, you know, what that does though is narrow down your options. Mm -hmm. I mean, unfortunately, I mean, I I'm concerned you know for the Lakers and frankly for Kendrick himself that he may not be able to play this season like I, I'm growing increasingly concerned about that but you know you meant you mentioned with AD the fact that Vogel was willing to be this outwardly positive I took as an extremely good sign because both the organization and Vogel specifically tend to keep their cards exceptionally close to the vest they put out very to a lot of media people maddening um, updates that you know don't really give you much of anything concrete, which makes it harder to report this stuff out. But you know it's neither here nor there, and I understand why the organization does it. But the idea that Vogel learned their lesson after Lonzo Ball, like Lonzo sure. Ball, will be back in two weeks, Look, six man, months later, where Lonzo <laughs> Ball. I get why it irritates some media members. To be perfectly honest, it doesn't really affect you and I in terms of what we do. It really bothers fans. Fans get really upset. Sure, and and again, I I get all that. I'm not saying that they shouldn't feel that way. I my my larger point being though that Vogel was willing to even sound like 
you know, be interpreted like this could be coming relatively soon. Anthony Davis on the court makes me feel like they are pretty confident. And again, it matches up with that reporting that might not be too long. Yeah. So somewhere near the end of the month, which would give them three or four games to play before the deadline, at least, um, you know, and it, it the, the the impact in terms of trying to figure out what they have is important because they are going to go do, you know, they they did not go small against the Jazz because you can't have LeBron lining up against Rudy Gobert all night. No, they, they actually went bigger, not just with Dwight Howard starting, but starting with, Ariza. With Trevor Ariza. And, you know, and, and they generally played bigger over the course of yes. the evening. Yeah. Um, but, you know, if, if the identity that they're going to try to get is, you know, with that AD is the starting center, LeBron is the backup center. And, and doing that, they, they need to see what's going on because a guy like Stanley Johnson is, you know, his fourth quarter against the against the the Jazz, notwithstanding, in which he uh, scored most of his 15 points uh, and was you know dynamite, had a couple you know great assists and offensive rebounds and all that kind of stuff. He is a player who you do kind of need to put the right guys around him because he is not. Uh, he's certainly not a floor spreader. Um, and while he can put the ball on the floor a little bit, he's generally over the course of his career been an offensive negative. You know, a guy like Austin Reeves, who was great, I thought, against the Jazz, um, doing Austin Reeves stuff, is going to need his 20 to 25 minutes. You know, the team is going to need his 20 to 20. It, there's the, the squeeze. You know, Carmelo Anthony is going to come back, you know, reasonably soon, hopefully. Um you know, the squeeze is going to be talked about this a lot. The squeeze is going to be on for a lot of players around the rotation uh, and the roster. Um, I am fascinated uh, by how this is going to play out and who isn't going to end up getting a lot of court time. Yeah, I think we can get into a little bit more detail with that and some speculation for Wednesday's show. Mm -hmm. um, just, I, I know it's something that we want to give a little bit more thought to and start thinking about some of these machinations. I thought it was really interesting, though, hearing uh, Stanley Johnson, who who got his uh, his third, technically, because of the hardship setups this year, third 10-day contract. This is the last one the Lakers can sign him to before signing him for the rest of the season or becomes um, an unrestricted free agent. I feel like after three, you should be like the Lakers should be able to sign him to like a like 14 day contract, like six day contract. <laughs> they should just like you you like oh, unlock some weird rule. We can now just name our number. But you know, we we've both been saying for a while we would be very surprised if he's not with the team for the rest of the season. I thought it was really interesting hearing him talk about the game, uh, about tonight's game, and sort of like th this season and what it's been like for him. Because you know, Stanley Johnson was, I believe, an eighth overall pick. Mm -hmm. He's only twenty five, but he has spent a lot of time for a top ten pick in the league, just fighting to stay in the NBA. And you know, this is the most. I, this is the most I've ever heard Stanley Johnson talk. I, I, you know, I remember interviewing him a little bit when he was a rookie, but since then it's been a long time. He's a really bright, introspective guy who is just actually just really refreshing to hear talk. Period. But it's been really interesting hearing him talk about uh, how he's come to recognize the importance of energy and just providing energy with the hopes that it can be contagious. You know, not just recognizing the the value of that for a team. But also, too, I think recognizing the necessity of having to do that for yourself, which can't be easy to wrap your head around when you were drafted as somebody. I was about to say when that, you're the number eight pick, when you're, when right, you're a top you're, 10 you're, guy like that. Yeah, I mean, you're drafted as somebody that people are thinking about as an all-star. I remember you and I were around Stanley for something during his rookie season for a, an outside project, but both of us, like, 
marveled at how he showed up in the NBA looking like an NBA player yes. just physically. Like was you know, a lot of these guys. He was 19 when he came into the NBA and had like a 32-year-old man's body. It was like yeah, I mean, it like was you insane. know, like you know, skinny Kobe <laughs> showed up and had to fill out and stuff like that. Like even LeBron, as much of a specimen as that dude was straight out of high school, like there was still filling out and things like that. Like Stanley Stanley Johnson Jim. had what we would call a trunk. Yeah, he was an, he had an impressive trunk. <laughs> I just say, you know, I but what I was thinking the whole time that you were talking, you know, you're kind of we're, we're both kind of just thinking about contextualizing what it is to be Stanley Johnson. It's a reminder to me of just how good these guys are. And mm -hmm. when you talk, when you get to the NBA level, like Stanley Johnson sucks, you know, this is his fourth or fifth NBA team. He's 25 years old. Yeah. Detroit Pelicans, fourth team, Toronto and the Lakers, you know, but like, you know, that's a lot for a guy who was drafted eighth, and is, you know, was only 25, you know, he, he has never averaged 10 points a game. He's been a big disappointment and all this. Like, you know, people, the average fan looks at Stanley Johnson and say, that guy sucks. I mean, he is so monumentally good at basketball, but yeah. the problem is, you know, all of a sudden it's like, where the hell did Austin Reeves come from? And that guy, this like the, the dudes who miss or the guys who can't quite, you know, make that adjustment from being a frontline star to, I got to find a role for myself. And it's easier for Austin Reeves to do that or Alex Caruso, or guys who have to fight their way into the league, probably fight their way into college, um, than it is for somebody like Stanley Johnson, who was one of the best high school players of the you know recent memory in L.A. So it's just, it is so hard. It is so hard to be good and to stay in this league. And I, I have an enormous amount of respect for somebody like Johnson, who is able to kind of go to that place and take the ego out of it. I don't, I mean, I, I'm not saying that was the problem before, but like, obviously that's got to happen at some point. Um, and just be like, I got to do whatever the hell I can to stay in the league. And if that means I'm diving on the floor and I score four points a game and everybody thinks I'm a, a lottery washout, whatever, I'm still here. Yeah. Um, and I, I, that to me is really impressive. Yeah. I mean, you, you kind of reason I, I'm excited about Malik Monk, by the way, but like just the bet that guys make on themselves sometimes. It's I like mean, you want them to succeed. You and I covered Kwame Brown. We both really liked Kwame a lot. And, you know, one of the things I, I had talked to him about, like the idea that he had to let go of, I'm a number one overall pick mm -hmm. and the pressure of that. And just like the idea of meeting those expectations. He came to realize, I never will. I just have to figure out what I do well. And, you know, to certain degrees, Kwame did. But either way, Kwame had like a 12-year career. Yeah, I was I'm literally, I, I'm thinking exactly the same thing, literally looking it all up on, on uh, Basketball Reference. Yeah, I mean, he had like a 12-year career. That's incredibly successful. 12-year career made like 75 $64 million. $64 million. Yeah, I mean, at least. It's, and it made, they, you know, it may not and be fully he, updated. And he is considered, you know, to be one of the biggest disappointments of recent NBA history for anybody else in damn near any other line of work, you would be considered like the most successful person anybody he's will just, ever a, meet. He's a me. Yeah. And it, but if he's drafted third or drafted second, second. yeah, you know, it then it then it, it's it's total people don't even remember it. There are so many guys that come and go in drafts, but because he was Kwame Brown, drafted number one, 
by Michael Jordan and, and has Stephen A. Smith going, Kwame Brown. Like, that's that's it. And so he's a, like, so Stanley Johnson, like, you gotta, you gotta be able to ignore all the people saying that you suck because you haven't met expectations and never will as a number eight pick. But goddamn, he's gonna try to stay in the league. And that is in and of itself an incredible accomplishment. So a lot more to talk about in terms of what the Lakers are going to be doing going forward as we creep closer to the trade deadline. Taylor Horton Tucker is available to be traded. We did pass yep. that, that milestone this weekend. Not an insignificant one. Um, and so we'll get into that, some of the lineup stuff, and look forward to uh, Wednesday's game and a long road stretch for the Lakers coming up. All that on Wednesday's uh, Lockdown, right? Wednesday's Lockdown, right? Mm -hmm. We'll do that here. Okay, good. Thanks.